Welcome to the podcast, Potables Network. You're listening to Power Bombs and Potables, brought to you by the Andrew Boss team at Berkshire Hathaway. Please make sure to subscribe to the podcast, leave us a five-star rating and a review on Apple Podcasts. You can follow us on Twitter at PowerBombsPPN for pro wrestling news and talk. You can also follow us on Instagram and on tap at Process Potables. Make sure to check out our other shows on Twitter uh, at Process Potables and at PucksPPN. Uh, for news, blog posts, info on breweries we've worked with, and more, check out www.processpotables.com. You want to make sure you're definitely checking out the Process Potables and the Pucks and Potables. Sports are back, and they've been putting out a lot of content, especially the Process Potables this week. Uh, a lot of updates, I believe, almost after every game this week. Dan and Steve have gotten together and put out some stuff. So that's uh, stuff to look forward to from the uh, whole crew there at Process Potable. So this week we started a women's tag team tournament. Pat McAfee is going to wrestle. And so much more. We're going to unwrap it all on this week's Power Bombs and Potables. Welcome to this week's edition of Powerbombs and Potables, part of the Podcast Potables Network. My name is Corey Oates, and I am your host every single week. We break down the news and the week that was in professional wrestling, things that I like, the things that I didn't like, and we try and get that to you in and around 60 minutes because, well, who else wants to listen to me talk about wrestling for more than 60 minutes? So before we talk about the week that was, we're going to talk about some of the news, and we got some interesting news this week on this week's... Quick sips. All right, so for quick sips this week, I'm uh, I drank a lot of beer this week, so we're taking it super easy. Drinking a classic uh, Founders All Day IPA. It's one of the uh, stalwarts out there of, uh, of IPAs. 4.7 ABV comes in a beautiful 15 pack, and you can usually get it at your liquor store for like. 17, 18 bucks is a great deal. Nice light session beer. And uh, yeah, I've been drinking these pretty much off and on since Wednesday this week. So we're just having another one of those tonight while we do the podcast for you. So this week's news, we're going to start off with this one. AEW Chief Brand Officer Brandi Rhodes has deleted her Twitter account. When Cody was asked about what happened... He basically said that she left due to the continuous racial slurs. In quote, he said, Leaving a social app because you open your phone to an absurd amount of N-bombs is respectfully understandable. No place for that, end quote. Guys, can we grow up? Good for Brandy. I mean, a lot of people these days in professional wrestling, which is heavily, heavily pushed via social media, are leaving just because of the negativity and the culture that comes out of it. On Friday, it was announced that Warner Media is going through some major changes uh, that might have an effect on AEW from a business point of view. Several executives, including Kevin Riley, uh, who was a major part of getting AEW onto the TNT network in the first place, uh, has left the company. 
Uh, Deadline reported that the company uh, was shaking up its organizational structure following the uh, ascension of Jason Killar uh, to the CEO position. Uh, Riley was the chief content officer for HBO Max and the president of TNT, TBS, and True TV. Along with Riley, Warner Media executives uh, and director consumer chairman Bob Greenblatt and uh, corporate marketing and communications EVP Keith uh, Kokoza are both leaving the company. This move is uh, you know, pretty significant as it relates to AEW due to the fact that uh, Tony Khan uh, stated he pitched uh, this to Kevin Riley, who's a friend of his, and the concept of TNT and having a wrestling show on the networks uh, back in 2018, uh, if you recall, just at the beginning of this year, AEW inked a new five-year deal to stay on the Turner Networks through 2024. Uh, however, uh, basically, like what this means for AEW isn't really clear at this point. However, um, when Cody was asked about this, he said, quote, no, we've been blessed to have had many, so many viewers, even opposed. Uh, thus, the three plus year extension uh, is a great partnership, end quote. To me, that just says we're just rolling with it at this point and they can't really do anything. I mean, for what it's worth, back in the day with TNT and uh, WCW, they just, you know, sold the company outright. But that's also because Warner Media owned WCW. They don't own AEW, so they have another four years to see if that's something that they're going to want to keep in. If the ratings and everything are still there, then yeah, I still don't see why they're going to leave the company. But yeah, it took somebody like uh, Kevin Riley to get them there in the first place. MVP took to Instagram Friday night revealing that he signed a new multi-year deal with the WWE, uh, as well as Vicky Guerrero announced that she officially signed an AEW contract this past week. So congrats to both of those guys. Uh, Keeping their careers going. So, from people that we uh, have under contract to people who aren't under contract but were making appearances this week, on this week's edition, well, the debut edition of the AEW Women's Tag Team Cup Tournament, uh, we saw the return to wrestling in an announced position of Veda Scott, who was alongside Tony Schiavone for the call of all the matches. The ring announcer for this was Shaw Guerrero. If you refer, that is the daughter of Vicky and Eddie Guerrero. She had a stint back in uh, NXT back a very long time ago and then got out of the wrestling business. Uh, as well as an appearance from Medusa, who appeared on this show as well. So a lot of people, I think, uh, aren't afraid to, you know, I guess you could say piss off WWE by making those appearances because, well, WWE's not paying them. And uh, AEW's offering to pay him. So good for them. Getting a nice payday. So Bailey, and this is something that I could talk about. Bailey's been campaigning to use Haley Williams' uh, Paramore, their song, uh, for an entrance at WrestleMania. So in an, in an interview back in February, she said, quote, I'd love for Paramore to, prefer, to perform for us, but I've tried for that in the past, and I don't think we can do that, end quote. Uh, but Bailey took to her Instagram account a couple days ago and posted a video directly from Haley Williams herself, who has given them permission uh, to use the song Simmer for WrestleMania 37. Hopefully, WrestleMania 37 can be in some capacity with a crowd. Uh, this year, obviously, we haven't had many crowds at all since March. So hopefully, come WrestleMania 37, if the uh, things are a little different. And for the last and most interesting news story of this week, 
Marty Jannetty, former wrestler, former rocker, former new rocker, made a claim on Facebook about a post that he made making a man, quote-unquote, disappear when he was 13 years old. The post said, quote, I never told this, I never told no one this, even my brother Gino, because Gino would have killed him, and I didn't want my brother gone. Hell, he'd only recently came home from Vietnam. I was 13, working at Victory Lane's bowling alley, buying weed from a effing, that word there, well, he uses a a slur towards um, a gay man, we'll use that there, Uh, and, and he pulled his hands on me. He dragged me around to the back of the building, you already know what he was going to try to do. That was the very first time I made a man disappear. They never found him. They should have looked in the Chattachoochee River. But Winnie, the girl seen in the pictures that he had, uh, I like you so damn much, probably my favorite, but I promised myself way back then, nobody would ever hurt me again. That includes you. I loved you, but you hurt me with your fucking Jamaican jealousy. You can go your own way. I don't need you. So basically, the, the backstory of this post is his current girlfriend left him and broke his heart. So he basically went on to tell a story that would get him more attention. But the thing is, out of this, nobody gives a shit that his girlfriend broke up with him. All they care about is that apparently he made a man disappear. So then it continued on with the Boston uh, Wrestling Sports uh, spoke with Janetti after this. And he went on to say this, quote, he was a front desk clerk. He was known to sell the weed. What I didn't know was he lured in little kids. Janetti claimed that when he was trying to buy weed in a car outside of the bowling alley, the man, quote, reached over and grabbed me down there, end quote. He would go on to say, I can't say he deserved to die, but he deserved to get his ass beat. And when I was beating him in the head with a brick, I was only trying to beat his ass. I wasn't trying to kill him. Can you imagine dragging a guy He's just to, uh, who, who just tried to uh, fuck you in the ass? Can you imagine dragging him to the river and throwing him in? And then finding out on the news the dude's missing. You know the dude, and you know more than that. That affected me bad, bro. End quote. Now, this is a guy who, in the last couple of years has gone on to Facebook and said that he's in love with his cousin or his daughter I think it was his daughter and uh, Marty Jannetty is one of those guys who I still believe he holds the record for the most times he's been hired and fired by WWE over anybody else Uh, but this guy needs some help is what it really seems like and um he needs the attention. <laughs> really, unfortunately, what that sounds to me is that he, you know, he's got he's got some stuff going on, and uh, we just wish him to get the the help that he needs because uh, he definitely needs that. And uh, that's it for this week's quick sips. All right, so I'm gonna start off this week not actually quick talking about. Um, Monday Night Raw, I'm going to quick glance over the first thing that hit landed this week. Monday night at, I believe, 6 p.m., the debut edition of the AEW Women's Tag Team Cup Tournament, 
uh, went on the air. It's on YouTube, and it's a it's a quick watch. It's only about forty five minutes. Uh, there was only uh, two matches, I believe, on uh, this card so far. You had Brandy and Brandy Rhodes and Allie, the Nightmare Sisters, defeated Penelope Ford and Mel. Uh, if you recall, Mel was the one that they brought in, shaved her head, and has been off TV uh, since they got rid of the faction that Brandy was starting that had Awesome Kong several months back. Then the team of uh, Anna Jay, who's recently in the Dark Order, and Tay Conti, from NXT formerly, uh, defeated Nyla Rose and uh, Ariane uh, Andrew, who was the former Cameron Funkadactyl in the WWE. Now, uh, they pin, of course, Ariane, who is not under any type of contract with AEW. Um, but I kind of enjoyed these matches. Uh, Tay Conti, I never really saw her in a role besides being the enhancement work. Uh, and her and Anna Jay, who Anna Jay's only had, I think, like seven or eight matches total in her career, uh, who's only 22, 23 years old. Uh, uh, Probably, I believe, the first homegrown person that they found was trained by QT Marshall and brought into the company. Uh, they had a good match. Obviously, you know, you don't pin Nyla Rose there in that situation. But this, uh, I- I'm looking forward to seeing these if it's going to be airing on the YouTube channel every week. Uh, for what it's worth, I'm going to talk about AEW Dark later on uh, real quick, too. But not about necessarily any matches on it. But if they're doing this that's not really going to be on TV, or at least maybe the first couple of rounds won't be on TV, I'm okay with it. It's nice appointment television, and you can get through it in 45 minutes. That's good. It's not too much. And uh, obviously, it being on YouTube, anybody can watch it free at any point in time. Moving on to Monday Night Raw. So in the afternoon, it was announced that Shane McMahon would be appearing on Raw. You know, the, the classic, every time the ratings go down, oh, we got to bring a McMahon back. So they're bringing Shane McMahon back, and you don't know what it's for. They also tweeted, they sent out from the WWE Twitter, that a new faction would be forming in uh, on the show, which was okay. Like, were they supposed to put that out, or were they not supposed to put that out? Like, anything they could do, I guess... To, to get ratings. I mean, the ratings have continued to drop, and now when you have the Stanley Cup qualifiers and the uh, NBA uh, short season that they got going on that's uh, almost in the playoffs as of right now when I'm doing this, Kay Fabesky, um watching the uh, the Sixers on the, on the screen here because just the fact that we can have sports back is, is, is tremendous. But this show was very interesting in the direction that they're taking it. The first match on this show was, uh, finally, we get the return of Apollo Crews, who is the rightful United States champion versus MVP. These two had a good match. I believe it it went uh, two segments or so. But in the end, Crews ends up winning the match, goes to the back, and he he has a great promo. He says how he's going to take the belt, the old U.S. title, and he's going to give it to his kid because he wants his kid to be able to have the very first title that his dad ever won in WWE. I liked it. When they come back, then there's MVP who's at the at the ring. And he challenges Cruz to a rematch at SummerSlam, which we find out later in the show is going to happen. 
Now, during this match, there was some light flickering, and that was the beginning of issues that they tended to have the entire night, uh, which we get to, and it also crosses over into SmackDown. But I have, I have something to talk about that as well when we get there. Something that I didn't like, and they're doing more of this, and I talk about it every week, is the Ruby Riot Liv Morgan stuff with the Iconics. The Iconics came back after being off television for a very long time, and they got a win right away against Bailey and uh, Sasha, and or maybe it was a I don't even remember Bailey and I think it was actually still an Alexa Bliss and Nikki Cross were the tag champs. And then eventually, yeah, that's how to have been. Like it, it's these weeks have been just meshing together here. But either way, they only have had like two wins. Everything else they've done has been losing, and now they're they're getting in the middle of this storyline where Ruby Riot's trying to get her her friend back, and I don't like it. I think that Liv Morgan was fine, like. We were talking three months ago how Liv Morgan was had a good record coming back. They were putting her in matches with Charlotte Flair that went about 15 minutes on Raw, and she, they, were, they were doing stuff with her. And this, to me, is like a backtread. I don't see the, the point in it. I mean, Ruby Riot was a character that on Raw, prior to her uh, having her, her surgery, she was winning unless she was in a main event Scenario where she was taking on a Charlotte Flair or a Becky Lynch, one of the top people, she wouldn't win, but anybody else underneath, she was winning all those matches. Quick swig of beer. So, I'm not a fan of that. Obviously, they've been they use the Kevin Owens show as as a spot to do a match from it. I could care less. Drew McIntyre uh, had an interesting face-to-face with Randy Orton. But the interesting thing was Ric Flair was back this week. So Flair, I guess, has been cleared. He quarantined for 14 days uh, with his wife, Wendy, who is now uh, recovered from COVID-19. And the nature's back on TV, which I feel is good because, well, I mean, he's been a big part of this legend killer storyline since they've rehashed it recently so I think that it's it's a very uh, good addition they brought Nia Jax out with Pat Buck now if you don't know who Pat Buck is Pat Buck is a current agent who at one point was furloughed but was brought back he and Brian Myers own creative pro wrestling and Pat Buck never wrestled as a guy in WWE, but he wrestled independence all over the world and has a good resume for himself. This is the first time that they've ever put him on TV, used him by name, and he stood in the ring with Nia Jax while Nia Jax was told that she had to issue an apology. Instead, she ends up challenging Pat Buck to a match and then basically backs him into a corner and uh, he then suspends Nia Jax indefinitely without pay. Then Nia Jax headbutted him and kicked him out of the ring. This sucked. Like, I hate Nia Jax in the first place, so it just made me despise her even more because she she just... We, we've gone into the rants of how she's unsafe, how she can't work, how she can't cut a promo. 
There's nothing that she can do right. All right? So why is she on our TV? Now, them writing her off at this point, I'm concerned. Is is this them trying to work her into a bigger storyline? Is this them trying to figure out what the fuck to just do with her at this point? I really don't know. Uh, and with a situation like this, what? How would you know? She, she's they're, they're suspending her, and we're two weeks, well, three weeks before SummerSlam. So there's no real time to build anything at this point, especially if she's off. You don't want her back right away one week later. That kind of makes no sense to me. Um, Shayna Baszler and Sasha Banks had a match here, which I was very interested about. Uh, definitely a first-time ever scenario. And this ended in a no contest. We then get Sasha Banks essentially accepting a match with Asuka at SummerSlam if she can defeat Bailey next week. And we see the tease on SmackDown that Bailey didn't appreciate Sasha just make agreeing to make this match for her, which was great to me because that's all uh, Bailey's been doing to Sasha. It's always, oh, I'll give you a shot if you can beat Sasha. And then Sasha will give her the look like, well, like what the hell? And then she'll have to wrestle a match. So now things are starting to switch between the two. Very interesting as they continue to build this. We talked about it last week. This is a feud that's going to have to go to WrestleMania. Uh, and you can build it and you can book it right. This is a match that... I think since TakeOver Brooklyn won in 2000 and, gosh, was that 15 at this point? The very first one? It might have even been 2014. How long ago that first Brooklyn card was with the Sasha-Bailey match that people are still talking about today. And you were waiting for it inevitably to happen up here on the main roster. And they've teased it, and they teased it, and then they they almost did it a couple years ago. This is gonna this is drawn out longer than Hogan Savage. However, I will say that they've done more with it and have been able to do more and stretch it by turning both of them from baby faces to heel uh, for them to put the all the gold on them. It's definitely a nice catalyst to build to the breakup. Moving on uh, with some of the things that happen on Raw. So we get the debut of Shane McMahon's Raw Underground. Now, it appears that they're shooting this in the basement or, no, they they probably don't have a basement there. But it's shot like it's in a boiler room almost. Uh, Very dim lit. uh, no, No lighting grid in there. So it gives it more like a fight club feel. It's like fight club meets the UFC. It's it's worked shoot fights. Guys were coming in the ring. They were getting takedowns, maybe a couple of shots, but in a span of five seconds, you were getting 12 camera cuts. And that was a little bit too much when you're trying to really push the element of it being a shoot fight. We saw even Ziggler get in the ring at one point, and uh, we even see at one point the Hurt Business getting there in the end of the night and just beat the shit out of people. Uh, Eric of the Viking Raiders got in there and had an interesting quick fight as well. The thing is that it's a cool concept, but I'm trying to figure out what they're actually doing with it. And when I say that, I mean this. Shane McMahon says that 
from now on, the 10 o'clock hour will now be known as Raw Underground. So here I am expecting that we're going to get nothing but these shoot fights for an hour. But we didn't. We only got segments here and there thrown into that last hour. Now, in an interesting comment, Tuesday night, uh, FS1 replayed SummerSlam 92, and they had a watch-along uh, on their new app with CM Punk, Booker T, and Renee Young. Obviously, while they're watching SummerSlam 92, they were bringing up some new, you know, new recent things. They brought up Raw Underground. And CM Punk, of all people, was very pro Raw Underground. He likes the concept and thinks that that would be a great place to have Nia Jax go in and just beat the shit out of people. The problem is you you uh, you don't even need that because she beats the shit out of people when she's supposed to be working with them in the regular ring. Um, But it's definitely something different that they can work with going forward. And that's the biggest takeaway that I have out of it. Now, they did, because the, because we're getting the Street Profits versus Angel Garza and Andrade for the tag titles at SummerSlam, they did Angelo Dawkins versus Angel Garza and Montez Ford versus Andrade. That's not what I want to talk about, though. What I do want to talk about is yesterday, WWE ran an angle on their social media, yesterday being Saturday, between Bianca Belair and Zelina Vega. Zelina was legitimately running her Twitch stream. And was talking with Kayla Braxton. And they were talking about games or whatever. And someone kept knocking on her door. And she, like, Zelina, asked her cousin to answer the door. And then Bianca Belair just appears and starts beating down (laughs) Zelina Vega. The camera and everything goes flying. It sounded like a melee. And everyone's connections dropped. It was a very cool feel that they did. But... That's the only thing I want to talk about out of this whole thing. I'm not crazy about a Street Profits Andrade Angel Garza match. I am intrigued about something original happening and running an angle, even if it wasn't something WWE wanted to do and they're doing it on their own. This is tremendous. They are now giving them more content for this feud. And that's smart because that's going to get them more airtime. But I found that that was a very interesting touch for them uh, to do that. Now, Dominic... Mysterio came back, and once again, uh, well, (laughs) we knew we were going to get Dominic Mysterio, but let's back up. They start off the segment, they being uh, Seth Rollins and Murphy. He goes after Tom Phillips, the head Raw announcer, because Tom Phillips left last week when uh, he was getting, you know, his ass beat by... Dominic Mysterio with the kendo stick. Now, this leads to them trying to go after Phillips. Samoa Joe stands up to both Murphy and Seth Rollins. Now, once again, is Samoa Joe coming back out from behind the desk? Or what's this going to be? Because Samoa Joe still has more in him. But it seems like every time they get him going, he gets injured. And I think that that's kind of why they're keeping him on the desk for now. Because they can use him there. Not when he's sitting home concussed for a month. However, this leads to Dominic once again coming out. And using a Singapore cane on both of them again. And 
Rollins has accepted a match with Dominic for SummerSlam. That's going to be a very interesting match because it's going to be the debut of Dominic. So we can see what he can do. I fully expect for Rollins to go over here because what does Rollins get from losing this match? And even at this, what does Dominic gain from winning this match? He doesn't need to win this match. He just needs to put up a fight. That's all I'm saying for that one. Moving on to Impact Wrestling this week, we saw the debut of Heath in the opening match, and he took on Moose for the TNA Heavyweight title, and he also gets a spot on the Impact roster if he wins this match, he being Heath. And this match was really good until the finish. The finish was horrible. They do a ref bump. Heath hits the wake-up call and had Moose pinned for like a minute. He goes over, starts yelling at the referee, shaking the referee, trying to get him up, and then turns around, gets low-blowed, and then he low-blows this man who was standing on his feet. It then takes the referee probably about another 25 seconds to get in position and pin, and he took the three count. The air was sucked out of the room on that one. Like, I would have much rather seen the low blow, seen Moose hit the spear to actually get beat by the finish. That's all I'm saying. I feel it makes Heath look even worse by losing after a single low blow. That The pin wasn't immediate. Russell House this week, just go out of your way and watch it. I, I, I love the Russell House segments. They're done very well, and it's it's something different. The story, I guess, now that they're really coming forward and saying is that everybody is now stuck in this house because Rosemary just wants Johnny Bravo to be with her, and until he realizes that, that she's pretty much holding everybody hostage there. But nobody has figured that part out yet. So it, it, it's kind of cool, but I like the comedy aspect to it. And they're still getting matches in. So it's it's definitely something different. Uh, we get, uh, I believe this week, they announced that Kimberly officially signed a contract with Impact Wrestling. They do um, a match that's going to be happening, I believe, this week. It's going to be Kimberly versus Jordan Grace. Uh, obviously, Jordan Grace is going to be taking on Deanna Prazo in her rematch in two weeks at the uh, the new Impact, it's not a pay-per-view, but it's one of their episodes of Impact that they're treating like a pay-per-view. It's going to be a two-night thing. I don't even remember what it's called, but it doesn't matter because we're going to talk about it uh, in just two weeks. Uh, besides that, they ran an angle, which I kind of thought was weird. They, they ran a spot where Ace Austin... And uh, Madman Fulton are outside, and they're brawling with the Good Brothers, and Gallows throws an elbow back to a cop that was, you know, trying to break it up, and they arrest Gallows. And then later in the night, uh, they they jump Carl Anderson. Kind of weak, if you ask me. Thought that that could have also been done better. Eddie Edwards versus Sammy Callahan, who is now a babyface for the world title, just kind of seemed very out of place here. I mean, if you recall, they had that feud 
where accidentally <laughs> Sammy smashed a baseball bat right into the eye socket of uh, Eddie Edwards for real on TV a couple of years back. Uh, and they had, you know, they made some money off of that feud because it ended up becoming real. But in this situation, it just it, it seemed completely out of place. Obviously, Eddie said he's going to be defending the title on TV every week, so this is just somebody else for him to be able to have a match with. Besides that, this show uh, ended with Rich Swan, who came out after he was attacked after eliminating Eric Young in that uh, six-way back at Slammiversary for the world title. And he's here in a walking boot again saying that he's been re-injured and retires from pro wrestling. And the whole fact comes out and they, they, they cheer him on and he goes back to the top of the ramp where Eric Young once again attacks him again. So, love the angle because it wasn't, I mean, clearly it's not a real retirement. We can at least say that. But we're at least not going to poke fun at the classic retiring and then two seconds later he's not retired i think they're going to go with this for a while and eventually swan will make his return uh you can you 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 push off uh eric young to have a feud with someone else could go with willie mack at this point and have a willie mack eric young feud which will then prompt the return of rich swan very much an option that they can go with there uh but that's just the direction they go with. I thought that this was very heartfelt and very well done on their part. Uh, so looking forward to see where that storyline develops. Now, moving on to AEW this week, I want to say, and this was the very first week that I watched an episode of AEW Dark. Now, the reason why was I saw that there was a peep that FTR in the main event had Tully Blanchard, where they were conversing with Tully Blanchard in the tunnel on their way out. Planting those seeds even more. Now, I can't say that I hated watching AEW Dark. Now, they're like 40-some weeks into this because they've been doing them just as long as they've been doing actual episodes of Dynamite. But my problem is this. is like, this show is shot like Wrestling Challenge would have been. It's a lot of squash matches. You're taking the main guy, and then you're putting him in with enhancement talent, and they're doing that. And then maybe the the main event is, um, you know, an actual main event with with two top tier people. Uh, but to me, I feel like things like this uh, Tully feud needs to be addressed more on the television. I don't see what the point of it is on Dark. And I don't even believe they talked about it on Dynamite this week either, which is weird to me because Dynamite airs the night after Dark. Also on this show, Scorpio Sky, apparently, and again, like I said, I have not been watching Dark. He has been winning a lot of matches on Dark. He cuts a promo after and says that he's been given the quote, king of AEW Dark moniker, and he's not okay with that, which then prompts on the actual Dynamite broadcast, which again, they don't mention, he is going to challenge this coming week, Cody for the TNT title. After Cody's TV uh, TNT title defense this week, 
He runs into Scorpio Sky in the tunnel, who confronts him there and challenges him for the for the for the match this week. Now, again, something great, but they need to do a better job with running angles on their free YouTube show and transferring them onto the Dynamite show, the one that gets ratings, the one that they make money from. That's where they need to be telling these things. I mean, the two things that I just told you about, they could have summed up in 30 seconds or less on the TV broadcast, and it would have made everything make so much more sense instead of assuming that people are watching this. I mean, all they need to do is look at their YouTube views and know how many people are watching that versus how many people are watching their product. There are people who might not even watch uh, one or the other. You know, so some people might just not have cable and watch AEW Dark, but not watch the actual Dynamite. I'm just throwing these scenarios out there. But I feel that AEW needs to do a better job, like I said, of cross-promoting that. Dynamite this week um, was an okay show. The, the, The standout of this show was not even a match. So we get uh, a couple of matches here. We get um, Dark Order, which is Evil Uno, Stu Grayson, uh, Brody Lee, Colt Cabana, and one of the two other minions against the Bucks, Kenny Hangman, and FTR. They run an angle in this match where I believe Dax hurts his knee and they help him to the back, but oh, but Hangman leaves with him. He leaves with his new drinking buddies. So that's the interesting thing there. He is now leaving with them. He eventually comes back in. He ends up being the one that takes the pin from Brody Lee anyway. Now, best friends. They brought the van back. If you recall a couple weeks ago, Best Friends had a world tag team title match, and they were driven to the arena by Trent's mom in a minivan. Tonight, they drove up on their own and parked it away because Trent's mom didn't want anything to happen to it. Well, Santana and Ortiz completely trash the minivan. (sighs) Yeah, that, that was a little... A little too hokey for me. Uh, After last week's MJF promo, I would have liked to have seen him at some point. But I'm guessing at this point, they have officially announced you're going to get MJF versus Moxley for the world title at All Out on September the 5th. Excellent. Love it. But I feel that for the next couple of weeks, we're just going to get more promotional, quote unquote, things from MJF on these shows, and then maybe a week or two before you'll see him in a match. Quick swig of beer. But I wasn't thrilled that we didn't even see him. It was just another pre-tape inside of uh, the back room where he's now legitimately running a campaign. I get it. We're, you know, we're winking the eye with that one. Uh, They run an uh, an angle here with Matt Hardy and Sammy Guevara, who we talked about now that Sammy's back, they're picking up that feud. Well, these two have a brawl, and Sammy lays Matt Hardy out on a table, and then he proceeds to pick up a folding chair that's not even closed. It's still wide open, and just chucks it at the head of Matt Hardy at like 80 miles an hour, and 
busted Matt Hardy wide open. He needed 12 stitches afterwards, and there was a pool of blood on the table next to Hardy's head within 15 seconds of it happening. Not a good look for young Samuel, who has just returned to AEW very recently. We saw the debut of Always Ready Matt Cardona and Cody. Um, They took on John Silver and Alex Reynolds of the Dark Order. Now, this match, the majority of it, I loved. And why I loved it was because it was the Dark Order just beating down Cody. Cody could not get the hot tag at all. Matt Cardona was reaching for that hot tag, reaching for the hot tag, and he finally got the hot tag, came in, got all his shit in, got the double knees in the corner, got the uh, the the former Rough Rider, it is now called Radio Silence, in for the win. Uh, he also did a, a sweet uh, double hook uh, into a sit-out powerbomb that looked awesome. I mean, to me, I think that that's a better-looking finish for him than the Radio Silence. But, you know, right now he's sticking with what he's got. Obviously, he's only got, I believe, a five-match deal, they said, with AEW, and we're already one down. So we'll see what goes on with Matt Cardona uh, going forward. They announced this week is going to be uh, the Tag Team Appreciation Night on AEW. We're going to see several tag team matches, uh, including uh, an in-ring situation, I don't know what they're actually doing, but it's going to be the Rock and Roll Express, once again, making their return to AEW, uh, Arn Anderson and Tully Blanchard. So I'm looking forward uh, to seeing that. This was uh, a segment that they talked about that the FTR was promised by uh, when they signed their new contract. So that's an interesting thing. Uh, some other things there on this week's show uh, is the Bucks versus Evil Uno, Stu Grayson, uh, Kenny Omega, Hangman Page defending the AEW World Tag Team titles against Jungle Boy and Luchasaurus. Uh, we have, like I said, uh, Cody defending the TNT title against Scorpio Sky as well on this week's card. So looking forward uh, to to that card this week. Now, the... Cool. I'm, I'm going to skip over the main part and we'll come back to it on this show. Uh, Big Swole ended up wrestling Reba on this show, uh, former Rebel. And I loved that that uh, Rebel was wrestling like she didn't know how to wrestle, which was great. Uh, very. We've talked about it before. Wrestle like a manager, manager, manage like a wrestler. And nobody has seen her in AEW ever in a ring, you know? She is the makeup and hair girl for everybody, but she's now had this on-screen character. So it just it, it's good to see that they threw her in that match and she was able to work the match. The world title was on the line on this show. It was John Moxley defending against Darby Allen. This match was actually pretty good. They shot a, a, a vignette uh, in a stairwell earlier with Moxley basically saying that when the time comes for Darby Allen to stay down, he needs him to just stay down. And that was pretty much the story of this this match was was Moxley just beat down uh Darby Allen. Eventually he was able to get the comeback and and do the coffin drop for for a near fall. Eventually Mox wins with the paradigm shift. It was a good match, but 
even with this, I felt that it was kind of a clash of styles. Darby Allen, I don't know. Darby Allen was was good when he was working. He's great when he's working the heels. Somebody that can you know bounce him around. Uh, even when he worked with Jericho, that was that was good. Uh, he's got this feud with Brian Cage, who we haven't seen in a couple weeks. Actually, now that I think about it, I'm pretty sure he hasn't been on, or at least he wasn't on TV this week. Uh, he was last week. Now that I think about it, but Taz was once again on the call for this week's episode. They're believing the Excalibur might be back this week on um, on the announced desk for this week's Dynamite. But the main event that I want to talk about from this week's episode was the debate between Chris Jericho and Orange Cassidy. And they announced that there was going to be a special moderator for it. And it was a very special moderator. We saw the return to TNT for the first time in 20 years Eric Bischoff. So that just was a nice special moment. Uh, Jericho, of course, out here in his you know finest suit, had his roots colored, so he's looking a little young again. Uh, I guess you could say Orange Cassidy still out here with his you know high school yearbook pictured T-shirt and his normal getup. And uh, they asked questions. The first one was, "Why did Jericho and Cassidy hate each other?" Obviously, Jericho spoke, Cassidy didn't. The next question, who is a better wrestler and who is going to, and who is the bigger star? So we, uh, we get to the third question, and I'm just going gonna, gonna to track this one here so that you can hear what I'm happened. I'm sure this one's going to really register here with Mr. Cassidy, but uh, global sea levels have been rising over the past century, and the rate has increased in recent decades. What are your thoughts on this very serious global situation. What? Chef, what are you talking about? That's got nothing to do with this situation. Next question. Mr. Cassidy? Sea level continues to rise at about the rate of one-eighth of an inch per year. A higher sea level enables storm surges to push further inland and therefore increase the extremely dangerous flooding in coastal communities. Failure to minimize our fossil fuel use and reduction of carbon emissions could be devastating to the estimated 40% of the population of the United States that lives in these coastal communities and globally eight of the world's largest 10 cities. Thank you. Yeah, so <laughs> that was a quick little pop there uh, for that one for the first words that we've ever heard from Orange Cassidy on AEW TV. Uh, so that was just a nice shock out there. The fourth question they ask is, why is Orange Cassidy so popular? Again, no response from uh, Cassidy. Now, after this, the fifth question was, why does this rematch mean so much to the both of you? And... Uh, this, this, if, if for as much as Jim Cornette even despises Orange Cassidy, he has to appreciate the fact that this was a promo that would talk anybody into a building if they weren't already sold on a match. And I'm going to play that for you right now. Shut up. Chris, I know what you're doing here. I know what this is. I mean, you scheduled a debate against a guy who doesn't talk. It's pretty smart. Just trying to embarrass me, right? Yeah, yeah. 
Uh, I am. Try to embarrass me with all this? Mm-hmm. I'm not embarrassed, Chris. I don't care. I don't care about you, but I do care about next week. See, I care about that match. I do. Yeah. I mean, it's the biggest match of my life. Yeah, right it is. It's also the biggest match of your life too, Chris. Really? Can you imagine, Chris? I mean, you're Chris Jericho, man. You've done it all. All the things that we can Google later. But I'm telling you right now, Chris, what if this, what is Chris Jericho loses to the guy that puts his hands in his pockets? I want you to look at me, Chris. I want you to look into my eyes and look at the man that is going to embarrass you. And next week, look at the man that's going to beat you. Woo, I just got chills listening to that again. So Orange Cassidy um, and, and Jericho on a collision course, which is going to happen this week on uh, Dynamite, as well as all the other matches that I just spoke about a couple of minutes ago. Uh, but that was just so well done, and uh, it, it definitely needed to to be heard on on this one. So, uh, moving on to NXT. The first match on this was Rhea Ripley versus Dakota Kai. Now, if you recall, Dakota Kai now magically is the number one contender for the NXT women's title. So, naturally, she beats... Rhea Ripley here in this match. Yeah, you heard me right. She beat Rhea Ripley. Now, they, of course, spun this off uh, with Mercedes Martinez, who attacked Rhea Ripley, which gave uh, Dakota Kai the opportunity to get the win. Now, I do like the idea of a Rhea Ripley-Mercedes Martinez feud. They don't need a belt for that, but those two uh, would be able to bring the house down if they have some matches together. So I'm looking forward to to that going. Still not looking forward to Dakota Kai and Io Shirai. I think that it's just not going to be worth anyone's uh anyone's time, in my opinion. This week's qualifier uh, for the North American title, it's going to be a ladder match at NXT TakeOver 30, uh, was Damian Priest, Only Lorcan, and Ridge Holland. Uh, in the end... Uh, Damian Priest ended up getting the win, and he is moving on there. Keith Lee and Cameron Grimes had a just real fucking quick shit match. I mean, these two went like over 10 minutes, but I think that that was too long in the first place. Uh, But because of that, it also, it did nothing for Keith Lee by being angry and not being able to put away this guy, but it also does nothing for Cameron Grimes as a guy who they've protected. He's a small guy. Trevor Lee is a small guy and even beating on Damian Priest recently. And they've protected him so well for him to come out and and lose this match here. That wasn't even for the belt. So I just, I didn't agree with uh, the placement of this match here. Um, not much else I really want to talk about on this show, except for we get the uh, Imperium def- uh, defending the NXT tag titles 
against the Undisputed Era, Kyle O'Reilly making his return, and Bobby Fish. In the end, we get a pull-apart with Pat McAfee and Adam Cole following up on the storyline that started a couple weeks ago uh, on the set of McAfee's uh, podcast that he does. And in the end, McAfee ends up punting Adam Cole and knocking him out off of the the announcer's desk, to which Thursday, Triple H went on to uh, ESPN and basically issued the challenge for Pat McAfee to take on Adam Cole at TakeOver 30. To which then the next day, Pat McAfee was on ESPN and he accepted this match. So this is the first more entertainment side of things we're going to get on an NXT show. Uh, However, as dumb as it sounds, Pat McAfee being a guy that isn't just coming in for a payday, he's a guy who's been working all the TakeOver shows, has been heavily involved with... Uh, the product for several years now, including he's had a lot of issues with Adam Cole, little digs here and there for years. So it's finally now going to get a payoff. And I'm okay for that. Pat McAfee's still young. And it's it's not like a Bam Bam LT situation. It's not like a, like a Kevin Green, Ric Flair situation. Uh, I feel that, you know, with with a little bit of, of, of work, these two could probably actually have a decent match. No more than 12 minutes. Uh, but you can get through some shit, slow-paced, uh, for a big finish, which they'll work out. And I think it'll be just an all-in-all good match on that TakeOver 30 card. Uh, I just found it just interesting that they decided to um, do it this way, where they... I mean, for what it's worth, it it makes sense that they would use the ESPN to bring brand awareness by having all these interviews and challenges. But again, I don't get why this isn't on your own TV. Obviously, they're going to replay these things on their TV this week. But as you're trying to build your storylines, I don't get why you're you're giving the the reports to someone else. That's all I'm saying. Um, as for SmackDown, the last thing I want to talk about uh, this week, obviously, is the last uh, thing. Uh, they're still going with this freaking Shorty G thing where he's attacking people uh well not attacking people he's attacking uh one matt riddle who has a king's bounty over his head which uh shorty g took last week and he did it again this week he interrupted a match between uh riddle and sheamus which i actually was kind of enjoying uh two guys just you know beating the shit out of each other matt riddle ended up winning by uh disqualification because of shorty g which ended up leading to King Corbin and Sheamus later on in the show. I don't want to talk about that. Don't really give a shit about that. Uh, they bring back uh, Sonya Deville, who cuts a killer-ass promo. We know. We, we've talked about it before. Sonya Deville, great on the stick. Hasn't really proven herself as, as a wrestler yet, but great with the mic work. They put... Morrison and Miz against Heavy Machinery out there. And they do this thing, and it's because of the way that they're shooting the TV. And they want the managers out there. But here's what makes no sense to me. There is no manager for Heavy Machinery. So they have them in the far 
left upper corner of your screen as you're watching at the ring. The bottom corner diagonally across from that is Miz and Morrison. What makes no sense is that Sonya Deville is essentially at ringside with them, but she's literally standing next to Heavy Machinery because this way she's on TV. Why don't you just swap the teams? Because it didn't end up breaking down until the end of the match when you got uh, Mandy Rose coming out anyway. Mandy Rose with shorter hair now, which realistically, if you just looked at the situation, it they just took all of her extensions out. I mean, I like the look. You know, I like long blonde hair. I like not fully long, shorter blonde hair. I just, I just like blonde hair. Um, but <laughs> that's... Uh, I guess they're they're really digging their teeth back into this one. We talked about it last week as well with the whole haircutting situation. I really hope they do not go to a hair versus hair scenario. Obviously, we will find out in uh, the next few weeks. And the only other thing, they once again bring out The Fiend, who got a full entrance here, and it... Went to commercial. And it comes back from commercial. Alexa Bliss is sitting in the ring exactly where she was one week ago from getting the mandible claw in the exact same outfit she was wearing one week ago. And this time, the fiend slithers from the corner over to her, acts like he's going to give her the mandible claw again. She reaches her hand up, and she, like, does the slow... Rubbing of his face like fucking Belle does in like Beauty and the Beast. If you've ever seen any of that shit, we were all kids at one point in time. We've seen Beauty and the Beast, but like the you know the beauty, she's the beauty, and then you have the Beast that is the Fiend, and the Fiend like backs off like it was weird that it felt emotion, and then Braun Strowman appears on the uh, on the Titantron with a beautifully shot uh, video that was compressed heavily. I guess he shot it with his phone and then sent it over like Facebook Messenger to somebody in WWE to put onto their multi-million dollar, uh, multi-billion dollar contracted show that airs on primetime TV on a national network to air. So I guess, which we already knew, it's pretty much going to be official that we're going to get The Fiend versus Braun Strowman for the title at SummerSlam. (sighs) SummerSlam's looking like I need to start it Two hours after it starts, just so I can fast forward through it. All in all, not looking like a great show, but that's the way it was. This week, looking forward to uh, the tag team uh, appreciation night on Dynamite. Looking forward to uh, what they do with Raw Underground going forward. Besides that, I'm not really looking forward to anything else that uh, happens this week. But if something does happen, we'll talk about it next week. Till then, everybody, stay safe and stay over. (laughs) 